Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Kinstead Wealth, where they give private investors access to the best asset class managers in the world. As a business owner who simply did not have the time nor the knowledge to manage my own financial assets, I was always on the hunt for a partner that would be able to give me access to something more than the stock market. Two years ago, I was introduced to Kinstead Wealth, and my eyes were open to an entirely new set of possibilities. Their pension endowment style approach to portfolio management allowed a portion of my portfolio to be allocated to non-traditional assets such as private equity, private agriculture, private real estate, and private infrastructure, amongst others. This allowed me to have access to non-traditional assets that have return expectations superior to public stocks while having lower volatility. With these assets added to my traditional portfolio, I had the opportunity to enhance my returns and lower my volatility overall. You may be asking yourself, what do you mean by non-traditional assets? In short, these are institutional quality assets that are not promoted to the retail market, but to the pension, endowment, foundations, and family offices due to the fact that their minimums are very high. By partnering with Kinset as an investor, I was able to gain access to these financial vehicles that are typically out of reach for most people. To learn more about how Kinset can help you and your family, please visit them today at www.kinstead.com. Kinstead Wealth is a very proud member of our community and donates 1% of their top-line revenue every year to the charitable sector. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Colin Jackson. How are you doing, Colin? Very, very well. Thank you so much. And uh, what a joy to chat with you. An absolute pleasure. We met, I don't even know how, the conspiring world of small-town Calgary, which I love, which we'll talk a little bit about today, perhaps. But you are the co-chair of Calgary On Purpose. And I didn't. I hadn't heard about you guys. Full transparency, but I love the name. I love doing things on purpose and being purposeful. So let's get in the elevator before we even go anywhere and take as many floors as you need, but not more than thirty, but less than fifty. Um, tell us what Calgary on Purpose is all about, and we'll unpack it from there. It's a civic narrative project. The notion is: I mean, go to First Nations wisdom. People like Thomas King. We are the stories we tell. And that is such an, a positive way of seeing the world because stories can be adjusted. We can help write our own story. We can together form a story circle and create new and better, maybe worse, stories. So we are the stories we tell. So we have agency. And the notion is that there are new, renewed, or maybe not as visible as they should and could be stories of Calgary. We Calgarians we neighbors on this land bring all kinds of worldviews, stories, assumptions, relationships into our life together. So we're about surfacing those many stories in the belief that they will usually share the same fundamental values and that they can be in a way braided together to form a collective inspiring sense of what we're going to do together, what legacy we're going to leave here. So, civic narrative, who are we, where do we want to go, how are we going to get there becomes policy, but who are we, where do we want to go is what we're about. I love the ability of, well, as a marketer, I love I love a good origin story, I love the art of storytelling, but I love the idea that we can, we also have the power to rewrite our narrative anytime we, we, the proverbial we, and maybe that's a big part of this conversation of who is this proverbial we we speak of. How long have you guys been around? What's the timeline of this organization? We've been poking away in the background for a couple of years, and you mentioned not having heard of us, and, and that's fine. Uh, we, we intend to be a slow burn, and not just ourselves, but many, many others are participating in this kind of work and from their own particular 
uh, perch uh, in this. We've been around a couple of years, tried a few things, some of which have worked, some of which have not worked. We try not to do the things that don't work too often, <laughs> and we try to do more of the things that do work. But your point that you raised a minute ago, which is absolutely is the heart of this, when we say we, who is we? One of the gifts of the last couple of years is that folks who have not really been included in the we are becoming visible to those who might have been included in the we. Obvious example, First Nations. Yep. First Nations friend of mine loves the city dearly. This is her ancestral land. All of her relatives back to the beginning of relatives are buried here. Mm. This is her home. And yet, she's often felt unwelcome in her home. Well, that's not a story we want to continue. We want to see each other, I believe, with curiosity, with hope, and as sources of better stories. I certainly can't speak on behalf of First Nations culture, but there are aspects to First Nations culture that I think our wider culture would do well to learn from. The great emphasis on consensus building, the respect for each other, the attempt, at least, to be respectful of, of the land and of other living creatures. These kinds of things are pretty, pretty strong lessons for everybody. So, just as a long answer to a question you haven't quite asked yet, <laughs> who were we? It is, I hope, all the neighbors on this land. Right now, the story that's told is in conflict, okay. mm. and it often doesn't really include all the neighbors, and it may nod towards all the neighbors, but it doesn't really include. I mean, do we really, when we think of Calgary, do we really imagine the BIPOC and indigenous uh, neighbors? Is that fully part of the picture, or is it included? Mm. You know, included or incorporated, I guess, is the difference. Well, that's a nice way to think. I, I, I like the phrasing of you know being just having it be part of it or having it be, oh yeah, don't forget to include, which means that we already, there's still, and I moved here from Montreal 20 plus years ago, highly mm. ethnically diverse environment. You've got French English mm. as a base narrative. Then you've got obviously indigenous challenges that Quebec has has had for years. I grew up through the Oka crisis and the barricading of the Mercy Bridge, but also you go downtown Montreal and there's the Jewish community and there's a the Middle Eastern community and the South Asian community. Like It's just a mixed bag by nature. You don't think about it. It's just who lives there. I moved to Calgary and I was like, whoa, this is a pretty white place. And I'm going to say that that was 20 years ago. And we go to certain parts of town, maybe you still have that same experience. When you are putting together this group and you're thinking about the, like, it's up to you to then maybe categorize. And I know that's a dangerous way to say it, but how do you guys go about making sure you have all the we's at the table so that that's such a, that's such a challenging thing because there's so many groups that self-identify that I, as an outsider, might not even have any idea of the challenges that they have. How has that been for you guys to make sure that you're getting as many voices at the table as you can? Continuous work, continuous progress, <laughs> continuous process. Yeah. I mean, my metaphor is Calgary as a huge round table with all these candles around it. And the candles are the different organizations and individuals who are looking to have generative conversations, generous conversations. And there's a lot of them. 
lot. Not, I mean, we're by no means the only one, and we're by no means the ring that controls all. We're one chair at this big table. So how does this become truly, fully inclusive? When we who are in the conversation behave in a way that not only do others join the conversation, but others start hosting their own conversations. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when, when the, the, the Sikh Cultural Centre, just taking their name in vain because we actually are in conversation with them, mm -hmm. um, starts to host conversations about the future of Calgary within the Sikh community, and then maybe if they choose, starts to invite others to be part of that, now we're rolling. Now we're getting towards having a culture of conversation, a culture of attention to each other. So, is it up to uh, old, white, tall, male me to <laughs> include everybody? No, I can't possibly. That's ridiculous. Is it up to me to behave in a way that might encourage, inspire others, either in affection to what we're doing or in reaction against it? Yes, of course. Please do. Uh, Colin, taking us out of Calgary for a minute, th these are these are challenges that exist everywhere in the world. Is there anywhere you look to or any examples as you guys were putting this together that were sources of inspiration for you that were like, wow, I love what's going on here. They are five years, 10 years ahead of us, or not to use timeline, but they, let's use timeline. <laughs> They're five years of where we want to be in five years, we could be there. What's, what's, what's out there on the world stage? Where can we look for inspiration? Sure, sure. Well, I think you've put your... Your, your your microphone, your thumb, on, on the big challenge. Can or will Calgary choose to be exemplary in how we build unity out of diversity, or will it not? Because that, to me at least, and I think others, but certainly that's my interest in this, that's the challenge facing humanity. Can we find that sense of common cause, of mutual affection, of mutual respect, that encompasses humanity as opposed to our particular nationality or subset or historical background. That's that's the challenge in front of us. Can we be, you know, we as 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 uh, mammals, we're coded in small groups wandering across the Serengeti, you know, a reasonably abundant landscape certainly at the time. Groups of fifty or hundred. That's how we were. You know, programmed if you think of us as computers, which I don't really, but yeah, we, we, if we look at the, the program that laid down that allowed us to get to being you and I having this conversation today. <laughs> there's a start, and there's yeah. we're yet to get to the finish, which is good. <laughs> well, yeah, but our initial programming, our you know, mm -hmm. our, our Hewitt Packard back then programming was small, intimate mm -hmm. groups wandering and then coming into contact with another group and. Uh, but not dealing with a world of seven billion and the complexity of it all. And, oh my golly, what's my identity and who am I? And am I safe it, yeah. in this city of a million, let alone a nation of 30 million, let alone a world of... Ah! So, <laughs> that, that, that's kind of our history. The push the button of the reptilian brain of am I safe? What am I like? I look for differences because difference implied danger and risk. And there's a there's a there's a coding in there. You're absolutely right that allowed us to get to where we are today. At how do we actively become aware of when that button gets clicked? Mm -hmm. And it makes us extraordinarily vulnerable, as we can see, to the entrepreneurs, political or in some cases corporate business or entrepreneurs who profit from our division. Yes. You know, as we know, our democracy is under tremendous threat 
because it's very effective to get out the vote by encouraging anger and fear and otherness. Uh, there's, a, oh, there's all kinds of evidence here where mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. uh, one example being uh, there's a you know, pretty large population in America where it's been tested, and that's probably true in Canada too, who are voting to stop the other side, not to progress yeah. their policy and their vision, but to stop the threat. It's powerful. That's powerful. And it's so destructive because, you know, what happens, of course, is we become more and more uh, pushed to the edges. Those in the middle have to choose sides because there's fewer and fewer of them and it becomes more dangerous. Mm -hmm. And then we're prone to uh, dictatorship, autocracy, oligarchs, all that nasty stuff. Reminds me of a statement, I don't even know where I heard it from, somewhere, but uh, Mother Teresa was not anti-war, she was pro-peace. And I don't even know if where that quote came from, but I love the concept of, are you moving away from something or are you moving towards something? But it's amazing from a marketing and a messaging perspective, what you're against is is significantly more powerful and, and can be more of a motivator. And it's, it's interesting, in our society, we've never been, it's never been more, and I guess it depends on the circles, so these are broad statements as, 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 they, as they are not to be, where it's never been more politically incorrect or unappreciated or unapproved of behavior to be against a certain group, but yet on the same breath, and you've touched on it, never have we felt more polarized. So it's a very interesting dichotomy of what we say, we're like, no, no, I'm really inclusive, but geez, I'm really getting gravitated to this group or the peer pressure of, you know, take a stand and what happened. I've, I had a friend of mine that we had a conflict because we had opposing views of what was going on in Ottawa a few months ago. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, we were pretty values aligned as friends for 10 years. And all of a sudden this, this event occurred that was technically unrelated to either of us directly, but yet sides were all of a sudden started to get taken. And I was like, whoa, we need to wrangle this back in. Or that's a 15 year friendship that's on the line because of something. It was just an interesting experience. And I, I believe that's going on incidents after incidents after incidents all around our society. And in families, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So part of it then, I think, is how do we encourage, uplift, and give priority to our affection for each other? Mm -hmm. So I've got relatives in rural Alberta who were part of the Coots protests and mm -hmm. all that. Completely disagree with them, of course, in terms of policy and in, to some degree our worldview. But they're still cousins. Mm -hmm. you know, we're still, we can't get out of that. So. For heaven's sake, yeah, let's argue, let's debate, let's do what we can to have a barbecue or a prayer fest or whatever the heck it is that might create common bonds. But hold that disagreement within the container of affection rather than letting the disagreement blow the container apart so that we're war warring factions. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Debate without... That's the work of... Yeah, sorry, make it that's the work of Steve, Steve Banyan and others, is to destroy the container, in this sense the metaphor is our democracy, which is messy and annoying and frustrating, it's all <laughs> about compromise. Yes, yeah. I don't get the whole cake, neither do you, but we just get a slice each. And it's imperfect and it's unjust and it's messy, but it's a hell of a lot better than dictatorship. Yes, oh, yes it is. 
Yes, you, you vote yourself in and fight yourself out. Uh, talk to me about the groups. You've, you, you've reached out. It's all about voice, and it's all about putting people around the table, and all about creating, I like a container for, hey, we all, we're like debate without hate. How can we disagree but still have a good conversation because we both have perspective? Talk to me a little bit about getting people in the room. How did that go? How was it to facilitate that, getting the, this group of diverse Calgarians to sit around a table and share their views in a quote-unquote safe environment? How, what, how was that experience? Were you in the room? Were you behind the, were you behind the glass, uh, the glass mirror? And how, how did those go down? <laughs> oh my gracious, you've got so many points and questions in there. <laughs> but remind me to tell you about a German experiment in a minute once we've had okay. this chat. Okay, got it. Um, we've been trying different methodologies, but give you one as an example. This was last year, when of course meeting in person was pretty, pretty difficult, and, uh, discouraging. Um, there's a methodology called the Socratic Circle, where the group comes together in person, or in this case online, and half the group, if it's online, turns off their camera and listens to the other half have the conversation for 40 minutes about what is your Calgary, what do you value, what's important, what legacy do you want to leave, you know, the conversation takes a, a certain shape. Then group A turns off their cameras and group B has the conversation. Then both groups come together and they speak into what they heard. They write down, it goes on a jam board to, as, a as a record of what occurred. The brilliance about this thing is that for half of the time we're together, <coughs> I'm thinking, I'm not thinking, I'm, well, I'm always thinking, I suppose, but I'm listening. I'm not thinking of what am I going to say next and how I don't agree with you, but, you know, getting into the... The push and take. Spar not, not a sparring match. <laughs> yeah, it's not a sparring match. And if the group in the conversation, they're aware that there's others listening, mm -hmm. but they're not performing to them in the sense of trying to win points or you know beat somebody else. So that kind of methodology, and there's lots of examples, but where we actually are encouraged to listen as non-judgmentally as possible and to try to step away from the usual, well, not usual, too often uh, occurrence in panels and public debates, which is we're about either identifying with our peer group or competing with the other group. You know, I'm going to make a smart comment or I'm going to disagree with you in some terribly clever way. <laughs> it's... It's more to do with, okay, what, what are the shared hopes, shared dreams, shared values? And they are mostly pretty obvious and, thank God, pretty coherent. Mm -hmm. We all want clean air, healthy animals, healthy plants. We all want that. We all want an economy that's sufficiently abundant that there's freedom from want. Mm -hmm. Now, we can start to disagree on how to do that and how the spoils of the economy should be distributed, but we all want that. We all want to leave a legacy for the next generation, whether it's our own kids and grandkids and cousins, or whether it's generally speaking. We want to have something on our tombstone that speaks well of what we did and what we left when we moved on. Those kinds of things are common pretty well across all of humanity. And you know, we want to keep emphasizing and and uh, returning to that, yeah, I'm disagreeing with you deeply on how you are executing your political policy or your political program, 
but we are after the same thing. Mm, I appreciate that. We're, we're competitors, not enemies. <laughs> so we default into enemies that everything gets ugly. But, you know, UCP and NDP are competitors. They keep behaving as enemies. They keep using the language of enemies. And I wish they would stop. Maybe that's part of what this work could aim to do is like stop rewarding people from for dividing us but we're not there yet no we're too busy responding back to the lizard brain we're too busy responding in a very primal fashion and and they've it it works so they keep doing it that's it works if it didn't work they would do something different um for just i'm looking at your calgary on purpose report which came out in july 2021 how many people am i reading this correctly did you it was it 300 calgarians you spoke to for this report for that particular one, yes. Okay. And I'm just, the themes that emerge, and some of them, there's cross-sections of kind of what you just said, but, you know, being at a crossroads, our Western heritage, being in things together, you know, being a space of opportunity. And I would encourage people to go to your website and check this out. So we're not going to dissect the whole thing, but I thought it would be fun. Economics on our mind. For yourself, and, you know, as, as, as the you in the room, you showing up as you, what jumped out for you? Was there anything, like, I appreciate you really shared, like, these are, intre- these are human consistencies, what the culture, barriers we all value a certain set of things what showed up for you that was there any what was surprising was there anything surprising that you're like huh that wasn't as the you in the room as colin that wasn't on my radar or wow that was a whole different perspective because part of being open to other ideas is the curiosity to go huh i had no freaking idea that that was a thing so i'm curious from your perspective what jumped out at you or what were kind of the surprises or the real aha moments that really got the gears got got the wheels turning what was reinforced for me, it wasn't a complete surprise, but it was evident, or even more evident, is we have some hard work to do that we're avoiding doing, mm, okay. which is settling on our shared story, our shared hopes, our shared ambitions. So, when you have a conversation about uh, the economy, about Calgary, pretty quickly, you, we, pretty quickly are inclined to go to, well, you know, the problem is we don't tell our story very well. <laughs> Interesting. That's come out on the show, I would Does say, at mean, least 100 out of the 200 episodes in one way or another. <laughs> we don't tell our story very well. All right, subtext, other people don't understand us. Right. Subtext to subtext, either there's something deficient in them <laughs> that they don't understand us better, or really, this is an education problem. If we just educated them on how extraordinary we are, the world would be a better place. You know, business would come here, peace would reign, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. That's work avoidance. That's avoiding the work we need to do, which is to renew or new our affection for each other and what it is we wish to be and become. Mm-hmm. Does the rest of Canada not understand us? Well, to start with, the rest of Canada pays about as much attention to us as we do to them. <laughs> well said. <laughs> that was my answer. Well, I'm like, I don't think serious. they're sitting around t- talking about us at all, actually. <laughs> no, they're not. No. I mean, come on, fellow Calgarians. How much do you know about the current, current affairs in Halifax? Do you? Really? Maybe if you're from the East Coast, sure. But, you know, so let's get serious. We don't spend our collective days concerned about the current issues in Winnipeg, Halifax. We don't. But we do spend or default pretty quickly into feeling aggrieved, misused and abused because Toronto doesn't love us as much as they should. The victim stance. Really? Do we understand and love Toronto? Come on, what's, what's, 
All right, so point one. It's a kind of, frankly, it's an immaturity. I know when, when I was, you know, probably still am, when I get upset about how people don't love me as much as I should, I try to put it on them. But in fact, maybe it's me. So what do we need to do to become more confident, more attractive, if you like? Um, stop blaming others for, well, I think it's the story. Others may think there's other ways. But that's the point, is when we default into, you know, Justin Trudeau is out to destroy our economy. No, he's not. Really isn't. Does Justin Trudeau care a great deal about and know a lot about the West? Probably not. But you know, that's a very different thing from from him being, cap, you know, Captain Doom with long fingernails out to destroy us. That's such a convenient and fundamentally unhelpful narrative. Oh, it's the quintessential boogeyman narrative, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Boogeyman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been every film, every, you know, we're in pursuit of something and there's always someone stopping us from getting it. It's kind of it's kind of the standard, you know, Joseph Campbell, if you want to get into the whole hero's journey, we, we you know, back to narrative, we're, we create these narratives that are actually, you know, we talk about it from a positive perspective, but a lot of our narratives really do hold us back and it's very seductive to have a villain. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yeah. it takes... It means we can avoid doing the hard work, which for me would be to actually go and sit in Tim Hortons with truckers and have a conversation with some of them who might initially really annoy the hell out of me. <laughs> Not vice versa. No, hundred percent. Yeah. That's the hard work. Being, being, being curious know. enough to step out into a zone where you're, because that is uncomfortable and it, back to fear. It's scary. It is scary because whoa, these people aren't like me. Oh, but are they? Maybe they are. Fundamentally, you would say from a basic human perspective, they're actually more like you than they're not like you. <laughs> but how do we get past that when we have a narrative, whether it's social media or the media? And I'm not again, not trying to pick a villain. But those are algorithms that are showing us our differences and showing us the things that rile us up because we click more often. Like it is, there is a scientific element to that that you can't deny. Without trying to make social media to be the fault of it all, it's. I don't believe it's helping though. <laughs> You're quite right, but I'll give you an example of a kind of interesting, tiny little gesture towards what you're speaking to. There's a project in Germany, and I, I, I'm not very good. I, my German is about as non-existent as it can be, but Dreibär <laughs> uh, uh, is about it, you know. Uh, anyway, this project. So money was put together and ads bought social media. Okay. You are, let's say, sitting in your, let's make a go with a cliche, you're sitting in your rural area or whatever, and you're beginning to fall into the QAnon, Braybard's, yeah. world of conspiracy and anger and othering. Um, an ad will drop down and say, would you like to have a conversation with somebody with whom you'll disagree? Hmm. And if you click yes, you're connected with, you know, <laughs> your opposite, you know, somebody who is, uh, you know, a social democrat, whatever. And the brilliance in this is they do not monitor or record those conversations. The metric they have is how long the conversation is. It'll be time. So it'll be short. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's short, presumably we got to yell at each other, call each other idiots and assholes, yep. and you know, the world is moves on. If the conversa if it's longer, then maybe some relationship is building, maybe some connection is occurring. Hmm. 
And within this, not a lot more of that kind of stuff we could do. Where, yeah, we're not going to undo the algorithms which, which uh, you know, allow Facebook to profit from, from dividing us, which is what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe we can do other stuff. And maybe also the desire to be in person when we can. We can also really surf on that. Because, you know, it's lonely sitting in your basement. <laughs> Staring at a screen. Listening to QAnon. Which is why people are doing yes. it. Because it's part of Because it's a sense of it's a sense of not feeling alone and feeling connected, which the last two yeah, years has, exactly. has caused. So thinking about Calgary, you know, Calgary on purpose, the report that you that you that you put out, the research or the the understanding and the perspectives that you gained. I guess how do you what 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 does action look like? I, I, I guess it's the next it's the next steps question. But you know, I read through here. There's a lot of quotes. There's a lot of interesting things that are thought provoking. But the what now and where to and you know, obviously, you guys are on a long journey. This isn't a short escapade that you've undertaken and by any stretch. <laughs> well, this is the work of generations: building community, building affection, respect, trust. I mean, this is endless. This is, you know, this is the work of being human. I hope. <laughs> uh, so that it's it's never done. Next steps. Well, we continue to experiment. So this year, we're going to host public events, a couple of hundred people. Last year, we uh, commissioned some artists to give their reflections on Calgary. So the first one of those public events, which will be May 4th, uh, at Contemporary Calgary in conjunction with, with Contemporary Calgary. Uh, we'll present the work of three of those artists and then have a facilitated conversation led by uh, uh, Dave Kelly and Jenna Rogers. Okay. We're both very skilled at this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we want to get past the usual, you know, positional, just making a statement and how do we how do we have these bigger conversations with more people? That's the experimental work of this year. Also, we're going to be doing more kind of street level stuff, okay. going and having a conversation with somebody walking down the street. And that's got to do with, with expanding the, the base of, of who's engaged. Because when you do something as we did last year online, obviously we're restricting ourselves to people who are community uh, computer literate mm-hmm. and interested in having a Zoom conversation. Yeah, and unfortunately, so, that, so, that, are, that already by default eliminates a certain group of individuals that kind of access oh to technology, gosh. a huge group. Mm-hmm. Technology and language. Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, self-confidence and you know am, am i actually welcome here yet do, do i feel safe <laughs> so, no yeah exactly mm-hmm. so this year will be more experiments of that kind but also finding ways to try and amplify each other's work so for example tedx calgary mm-hmm. on october 15th is working with the library downtown to have a day where the building or recent afternoon where the building is all about us as Calgarians and what we hope for for Calgary. And there's lots of others. So can we get a wave building where we're one, you know, do waves have buckets? No, they don't. Uh, one <laughs> bit of foam on the waves? Yeah, yeah. But yeah no, I, I, yeah, that, that analogy is hard to carry forward. <laughs> you're, you're just yeah, one, you're one splash of, 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 an, of a long wave breaking on the shore. That's my, yeah. that's my attempt. <laughs> I'm curious, uh, government, municipal, provincial, uh, are they involved in this conversation? Do you have MLAs, anybody who's willing to kind of get involved and maybe take the risk of having open conversations and but but truly being maybe able to action something? At what uh, any progress there? Any any thoughts on that on that group specifically? Yes. 
Yes, no, this is a citizens' movement, so it's not to be dependent on government mm -hmm. or hostile to government. It's, in fact, part of the intent is that we have better conditions for brave people to step into mm -hmm. politics, because right now we do a hell of a lot to discourage folks from doing that. <laughs> Who in their right mind would, you, would, uh, would go into that firing? firing? Uh, it's like stepping in uh, front of the firing squad. <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, we got to change that. I mean, we really do. I mean, this sort of easy, old politicians, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, what are you really doing here? You're poisoning the well. Hmm. Now, do people, do we have to hold each other accountable? Of course we do. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's but like from a position of constructive, not destructive, right? Mm -hmm. But but are the people popping up? Absolutely. Let's give me one example. One of the new councillors uh, elected this in, in Calgary this past uh, October was Jasmine Meehan, mm -hmm. and remarkable human being. Uh, and in my view, this is a person who could become you know, a, a leader of whatever scale she wants, you know, premier, prime minister, head of the United Nations, I don't know. But she's got tremendous capacity. So, story. Jasmine Meehan is, uh, I think I'm... I think I'm allowed to, you know, you know, I don't want to tell other people's stories without their permission, but she's told it a couple of times, and I think I remember it more or less right, so I hope this is okay. Um, India, Indian father, European mother, so a, a woman of, in a sense, some color. We're all some color, but you know what I mean. Um, did her master's in psychology and her master's in public policy at UCalgary was involved in this movement to get women to run for office. Uh, and eventually, the people in the movement turned to her and said, hey, you know, how about you, buddy? And she took the challenge, hmm. and she ran, and she won in uh, October. All right. One of the first things she did, I mean, she knew she'd get the trolls, she'd get all that sludge and muck dumped on her head when she mm -hmm. became visible that way. But she, unlike what I would have done, which is yell back or ignore, <laughs> she wrote back and said, can I meet with you? I would like to hear more about why you are so upset about the declaring a climate emergency or whatever it was that they were particularly uh, exercised about. That's leadership. There's this woman who is an elected official stepping out and going into uncomfortable places and spaces with people who are hostile, angry, and hurt, to hear them. Fantastic. So folks from whatever political stripe that are prepared to do that kind of work, of which there are in fact many, mm. but need to be encouraged and, and supported in doing it. Because it is tough to walk into a room where you've got a bunch of angry old white guys ready to yell at you. Um, stereotypes, stereotypes so, are real, unfortunately. Oh, well, the archetypes are real. I'm God, absolutely right. So politics. The point is, I, I wouldn't. I would hope this wouldn't become a government program because again, this is policy neutral. I have my own policy preferences, mm -hmm. but this isn't about you know progressive or conservative or whatever. Whatever. This is about. We're on a shared journey. Let's be civil as we debate conservative, progressive, whatever it is that we, how we want to frame these things. But I, I, yeah, being a government program would be not a good thing. And but, oh, one other little thing is we as an organization don't raise or seek money. 
Uh, not that we're against money, but because it takes us into a different place and we start to perhaps compete with other allies. Mm. Uh, so we, we work with what shows up. If somebody's got some time and some interest, then bring it on. I really appreciate, and when you're, you said a citizen, you know, citizen driven and like to be bipartisan and to, as soon as you start going, you know, take money, then you become beholden. If you take sides, then you become just, you know, then you become part of the machine. It's a really difficult balance. So just curious from a, like, Purpose and North Star, and clearly, Colin, there's no question that this is something that gets you out of bed in the morning. This sounds clearly like this is a volunteer organization. You're not raising money. Yeah. Uh, is everyone here just because they're really passionate about solving, quote unquote, solving this problem, which is a funny way to say it, but constantly working towards a better version of what we have? I don't want to call, say solving because that feels like it'll be done. This will never be done, <laughs> you said generational. How does Is this just people that are super passionate have that shared value of making sure that this conversation is happening? I think people who take part for various reasons clumped around what you're proposing. Um, I do what I do because I really want to be part of a community. I want to be accepted into and, and supported by a community. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, you know, it's their self-interest there. I want this city to be curious and supportive and kind because I need curiosity, support, and kindness for myself, <laughs> as well as worldwide. Um, some people, I think, come into this um, perhaps more from a philosophical perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to have a just and, and uh, inclusive community. Some people seeking others that they can be confident with and comfortable with. Um, you know, this is about us as neighbors and it's kind of hard to get away from it because we are living near each yes, other we are, physically yes, we're and certainly spiritually <clears throat> otherwise we're living together i'm going to uh, i'm going to run an experiment I, I travel quite a bit and i spend a lot of time back east in the summertime as i'm from there so next time someone asks me about calgary i'm going to describe it as curious supportive and kind and just watch how they respond <laughs> i think it'll be an, inter oh. an interesting because that's a, those are three fabulous words who doesn't want to be where that is i love curiosity how can you not want to feel supportive and support and kindness it's like okay got it you got me so i don't know i love those that's your, that's the tagline for today's conversation uh <laughs> for sure i love it i'm gonna i'm gonna start describing calgary that way as i travel and if anyone if anyone asks, once they get beyond the Rockies and Stampede, they're like, what's it really like? I'll use uh, those three words and I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you know the response I get. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Yes, please do. Colin, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, um, again, that's my narrative. That's my hope, my inspiration. I think that's what's there. But as we do this, we have to listen honestly. And if what's there is, in fact, more anger, hurt, and... Uh, yeah. Uh, frustration, then that may be our story too. Uh, I I do appreciate the, asp the an aspirational nature of goals, while not overlooking that there is some probably some cleanup and and some reality to deal with. And aiming for curious, supportive, and kind, probably we're not there yet in some areas, or for every group or for every incident. That's the challenge. Like, can everyone ha does that? Everyone's narrative. That's my narrative some days, but I'll be honest, it's probably not my narrative other days. But I'll, I'll always circle back, like good corporate values or. This is way when things, when we act this way, things go great. But do we always act this way? No, because we're human and humans, being human is being messy. And a city is a messy thing. And I think we've got such an opportunity. And I really enjoyed my conversation with you today from a few few fronts that one, that these conversations are happening and that people are willing to go play in the middle 
the mess, the messy middle where it's really not as convenient to just jump on left or right. And I know this isn't about left or right, but you know what I mean. Um, what can, what can Calgarians do to get involved? What can we do to help? How can we get more involved with you? Reach out, be, sit around one of your round tables. Participation to me would be the ultimate goal of someone listening to this conversation. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> nice. uh, we do have a website. It's kind of dated, but at least there's some contact information in there. And as you suggest, there's a report from last year. Mm -hmm. But my golly, yes, please. If folks that are interested, uh, let's connect. Uh, ColinMJack at gmail.com. And if we can, I or others can support what it is you want to do and vice versa, fantastic. Um, we, we are a club with really no membership rules <laughs> other than do something. We're a club. Yeah, the, cl uh, the cause of entry is just is participation and being involved in the conversation is what I'm hearing yeah. loud and clear. And you can't get thrown out because you're a Calgarian. So, you know, even if... <laughs> So the prerequisite is you're a Calgarian. What if you're what if you're from surrounding area? Does that still count, or are we keeping are we putting it as Calgary Ooh. proper? I'm putting you on the spot on that question. <laughs> well, actually, no. Some of the some of the strong participants in our advisory are folks from the Blood Reserve in particular. Yeah. So Calgary is a is you know Calgary of the mind. Yes, uh, more of a concept than a geograph than a, than a, than, a, than a line on a map. I appreciate that. I put you on the spot with that question. <laughs> No, Colin, uh, congratulations and thank you for the hard work that you're doing. CalgaryOnPurpose.com, check it out. Please give the report a read. There's some quotes in there that really made me think and probably that, that, this, I, would, I would predict the same for anyone giving it a read going, huh, wow, do I, do, how do I resonate with those things? And if it gets you thinking, then I think it's already doing the first part of its job. So thank you for your hard work and thanks for coming on the show. I really enjoyed meeting you and learning a little bit more about what you guys were up to. A great pleasure. Thank you so much.